we've had a great time. The theme for the week, rain. And, and we've talked about the reason why it, it needs to be important on your minds and in your hearts. Really, it needs to be something that revives our soul is the fact that Jesus Christ reigns supreme in your life. And we thought about the first night, you know, you had your breakout section, Little Pocket Jesus. And we have Little Pocket Jesus in our life when we don't know the power of Christ. This morning, my brother had an hour he spent with you. And you just rapid fire, you had 10 great questions. And the theme, if, if you really just dove into it a little bit this morning, is every time that you gave him a question that you deal with as far as the world is concerned, and they were some great questions. I, I was driving back this morning, and, and he and I were going over that on, on the phone, and he was putting scripture to the answer. And, and, and the reason why he was using scripture for your answer is because it's kind of how Jesus, when he was tempted, by Satan, Jesus didn't use just his, his deity and says, be gone, I had enough of you. No, Jesus used the written word. And so this morning, when you had these questions for him about some of the struggles that you have in this life, what did my brother use? He used the word to give you a peace of mind that you can fall under the authority of God's word, and that allows you to face the pressures of this world. So it's the reign of Christ in his power than it was the reign of Christ. It's the written word that allows us to deal with the things that we face with on a daily basis. And then this afternoon, it's our identity. Who is Jesus today? Well, he's the same God that was yesterday, today, and he'll be forever, right? So it's his identity. And because he is our Christ and he's our Lord and he's our God, guess what? That's our identity. And so tonight is Christ enthroned. What, what does that mean? What does that even, what do we, how do we even comprehend Christ enthroned? My brother and I, we were just kind of tossing things back and forth this afternoon, and we were thinking, Christ can't be king in your life if you don't have a testimony. Like, you may think you have a testimony, but in just a second, we're going we're gonna to kind of dive into that. You may think you have a testimony, but after tonight, you're going to be 100% sure of what that testimony looks like. Because is your testimony within the church, or is your testimony... In Christ, the Bible says this in the book of Revelation, that we overcome the evil one, we overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. If you have a testimony that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, then you can experience what it means for him to reign in your life. All right, so check this out. Before I go any further, man, I just have to let you know, um, I'm preaching tonight with the, in a freedom that maybe I didn't preach or share this morning. And when I say that, man, since I've been out of this Dallas Cowboys jersey that I wore for that second time, I just feel liberated and free now. And so if you thought I was loud this whole couple of the last days, man, I might even be louder because, man, when I took off that Cowboy jersey, I was like, let's go! <laughs> and that's the song, come on. So, uh, yeah, we're sporting the Steelers tonight and stuff like that. But like my brother said, we talk about reigning and allowing Jesus Christ to reign in our life. And he does not reign in your life if he's not Lord of your life. The thing is, we make him Lord of our salvation. I mean, all of us, we understand. I mean, you can ask a lot of people, and they can talk about, yes, Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. And I've asked him to forgive me of my sins. And because so, I know I'm going to be walking across that finish line. I'm going to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, one day. 
But is he not only the Lord of your salvation, but is he also the Lord of your life? And this is where the testimony comes into play. Because you live out your testimony on a daily grind, a daily walk, every single day. When I was 10 years old, my dad took me to see my first NFL football game between the New York Giants and, yes, the Washington Redskins game. And I remember as time I was 10 years old, I walked into that stadium, and when I walked into that stadium, the Giants stadium, and I saw the New York Giants, I just knew that I wanted to play in the National Football League. It was my goal. It was my dream. That's all I wanted to do was to be an NFL football player. In high school, and I was a pretty good football player, so good that I was an all-conference performer and an all-state performer. Played on a team that went to the state finals three years in a row. Football was a big deal in our town, like it is a big deal in this town and most towns here in Texas. And so you can imagine being a big wig on a good team going to the state championship game year after year after year, man. My goal was to, I'm going to go pro, I'm going to play in college, and then I'm going to go to the National Football League someday. That was my goal, that was my dream. In college, I, was, I had an opportunity after high school to go to college to sign a contract or sign my uh, letter of intent with Western Illinois University. I spent my first couple years at a junior college because I couldn't quite get to my uh, Western Illinois because of my grades. So I went to junior college first, and then after junior college, I went to Western Illinois University. In my first couple years on campus with Western Illinois University, I was all-conference and I was an all-American candidate. I was on my way to seeing my dreams come true. I'll never forget, it was pro-timing day on our campus. We had many pro scouts come out to our campus and they were timing all the future potential NFL players, guys that were on their radar, and I was one of their guys on their radar, and I'll never forget, man, they put us through this battery of tests, these measurables. And I'll never forget that day, I was six foot five, over 300 pounds. I'll never forget, man, I got down in a 40-yard dash, and I ran a 40-yard dash in 4.9 seconds. They put me under a bench press, and I did 225 for 32 reps, did some little agility drills, and did some technique stuff. And I'll never forget when one of the scouts called me over, my head coach was there, and they said, John Earl, you are going to be playing on Sundays in the National Football League. I was one of the biggest, fastest, and strongest centers in college football. And I was on my way to seeing that dream come true. But in life, man, sometimes you're dealt some blows that are out of your control. I remember prior to the start of my senior year, I got hurt. I broke my right foot. No problem, I said to myself, man, everyone who plays the game of football has to deal with an injury at least once during his career. I'll be cool, I'll be fine, I'll be back, man, no problem. Brahma bull, I thought. I can overcome this. Five months later, broken foot number two. Four months later, broken foot number three. Five months later, broken foot number four. In a little over 14 months, I broke my right foot twice, I broke my left foot twice. And I remember after I broke my foot for the fourth time, I found myself in my dorm room, pacing back and forth, kind of like what I'm doing right now, with the sweat and tears running down my face. 
full of anger, full of rage. And the one question that I was asking that night, the one question that many of you have probably asked a few times in your lifetime was this, why me? What did I do to deserve this? Oh, I believe the lie that most of us believe. Why do bad things happen to good people? And I remember being at a Bible study during this time and asking this question, hey, why do bad things always happen to good people? And I'll never forget the answer I got one night at this Bible study that I was not even a believer. I just was going. This guy said, you know why? Because there are no good people. And he pointed out in the scriptures. He showed me in Romans 3. He showed me in Psalm 14. He showed me in Psalm 53. He said, John, there is no such thing as why do bad things happen to good people. We are under the spell of sin. Now, I didn't want to hear that after I broke my foot for the fourth time. I was just wondering how come I could not go see my dreams come true. Why can't I even get on the football field? I got a boot on my right foot and a boot on my left foot. So after I broke my foot for the fourth time, I'm in my dormitory room. I'm going back and forth, sweating tears running down my face, full of anger, full of rage. Why me? Why me? I'll never forget, man, I picked up my phone and I called my dad. I said, Dad, I'm done. Dad, I'm finished. I was not talking about college. I was not talking about football. I was talking about life in and of itself. You see, at that moment, after I broke my foot for the fourth time, why me? The pain on my heart, I was ready to quit. And I was ready to quit life in and of itself. Why? Because I found my identity in football. I found my life in football. Oh, I went to church. I was raised up in the church, but I was a religious person. Do you know the worst thing you can call somebody is a religious person? Going to church don't mean you follow Jesus Christ. Maybe you're just doing some duty that makes you feel good. Oh, man, I went to church, grew up in church, but I was not a believer. Oh, man, check this out. Let me even go a little bit further. I was the president of our MCA on campus. Fellowship for Christian Athletes. Had me a towel that went down my, my football pant leg. Had me my favorite verse that I took out of context daily. For Olympians 4.13, for I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Oh, so Christ going to make me the best football player ever. Oh, I had the crosses on my my tape on my, uh, on my knuckles, man, I was, I was living Christianity on the outside, but I had nothing on the inside. And so after I broke my foot for the fourth time and I was ready to quit, I was reaching, I was searching for something, so wasn't going to find it in football because I couldn't get on a football field, so I'll find it in my churchianity, right? So I couldn't find it in my churchianity, and guess what happened? It led me to the point where I felt like I needed to take my own life because I had nothing. So when I told my dad I was ready to quit, my dad recognized the hurt that was in my voice. And I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, son, Jesus loves you, and he'll never leave you, 
nor forsake you. But you guys were talking. And what he was saying was, son, you got to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You got to stop playing. See, my dad spoke the word Hebrew. He said, Jesus loves you as he never leave you nor forsake you. And at that moment, it was like something exploded in my heart. So Jesus is never going to leave you nor forsake you. The insecurities that I have as a young man, finding my identity in football and feeling like I got left in the lake for because football is not going to be a part of my life at this moment because I can't even get on the football field. And Jesus is going to be with me 24-7. Man, I got down on my knees and I began to talk to Jesus in a real and personal way. I first asked for forgiveness because I realized I was a sinner in need of a savior. I then asked him to please take away the pain that I was feeling, not the pain of a broken foot, but the pain that was on my heart that was just kicking my tail. And then I asked Jesus Christ to be my best friend, my Lord and my Savior, and I surrendered my life into the hands that gave his life for me. Now I can look you all in the eyes, I can tell you this. Man, when I got up from that conversation with God that night, March 21st, 1991, my foot was still broken. There was no miraculous healing that took place. Not physically anyway. But when I got up from that conversation with God, man, I can look all you in the eyes, I can tell you I felt different. And what I felt was the peace that only can come with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. My mind wasn't on my pain of a broken foot and not being on the football field. My mind was on my Savior who just saved my life. I was able to stay healthy the next year, got back on the football field, completed my career at Western Illinois University. And one year and one month after thoughts of suicide was heavy on my mind, I found myself in my college apartment now. And I'm watching the NFL draft on TV. And as I'm watching guy get drafted after draft choice, after draft choice, after draft choice, finally, I saw this man from the NFL office walk up on a stage get behind a podium and say the words, current selection, Cincinnati Bengals, draft choice, offensive lineman from Western Illinois University, John Earl, my phone rang. It was the offensive line coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. And I'll never forget the words. And he said, John Earl, you are now a member of the Cincinnati Bengals of the NFL. Guys and girls, I cried like a baby. So good to see a dream come true. Oh, and let me tell you how good God is. Not only was the apartment to see that dream come true, three months later, my first NFL football game, my first NFL football game was in the same stadium where I saw my first NFL football game against my hometown team, the New York Giants. I can still feel the goosebumps as I ran onto the football field at Giants Stadium. And I looked up to the, in the crowd and I saw all my hometown friends and family and coaches. Say, John, you made it. Let me tell you something as I close out. I've had an opportunity to see a dream come true and become the NFL draft choice. I've had an opportunity to snap the ball to the greatest quarterback, maybe other than Tom Brady, but one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, Joe Montana. I led Marcus Allen into the end zone 
on a Monday night football game against the Buffalo Bills when we were in the backfield and we were members of the Kansas City Chiefs. I played on five different NFL football teams, spent some time in the Canadian Football League winning a championship ring. My twin brother and I have a ministry where we impact lives for Christ yearly. Got a wonderful family, but all that pales in comparison to March 21st, 1991, when Jesus Christ reigned in my life by becoming my Lord and my Savior. You see, sometimes there's obstacles that are placed in front of us to remind us of how frail we are. See, it's not bad to have a dream. In fact, it's, it's good to have a vision and have a purpose. But when that good thing turns into a God thing, it turns into a bad thing. And so for my brother, the, the obstacle was this, that he wanted God, or he wanted to use God to play professional football. He didn't want it to be used by God. Sometimes those obstacles may not be our dreams. It may not be the things that we face on a daily basis. Sometimes it's the very faith that we think we have. So it's my rookie year with the Washington Redskins. We're playing my first NFL football game, and it's a Monday night football game. So when you grow up watching football on television as a young man, like you dream of maybe playing professional football. And, and certainly the music that you hear from the television thinking when the players are coming out of the tunnel, walking onto the field, like that is huge as a player. And so my rookie year with the Washington Redskins, my first game in the NFL was on Monday night football, and it was against the defending Super Bowl champion, the Dallas Cowboys. And I, it was a great night. We went on to win that game, 31 to 19, and it, it was just a great night. And the reason why I remember that, because it's very vivid in my life, because the next night I went to a Bible study. And for the first time in my life, I heard the phrase, and I was asked the question by a player by the name of Daryl Green. And now, many of you in this room don't know who Daryl Green is, but Daryl Green was a Hall of Fame football player, meaning one of the best to ever play the game. And he played for the Washington Redskins for 20 years. And he had a Bible study, and he had it every single year during the season on a Tuesday night. And so I went with a couple friends to that Bible study because, you know, my whole life I've gone to church. And I was asked one of the most important questions. I was asked this one question by Daryl Green himself. He says, hey, God, are you born again? I've been going to, whole, I've been going to church my whole life, Daryl. I'll never forget his answer. He said, I didn't ask you where you go to church. I asked you, are you born again? I didn't know how to answer the question. That question plagued me through the, the rest of the season. In fact, it plagued me so much, I didn't go back to the Bible study. I went twice. The rest of the team did not go back. So we make it through the season. I'm at home. I'm visiting my dad. And the church I went to when I was in high school, the church I went to every Wednesday night, the church I went to every Sunday morning, they asked me, they said, God, will you come and speak to our youth tonight? We want them to hear your testimony on how a professional football player 
still is able to keep Jesus Christ number one in his life. I didn't have a testimony. I didn't know what a testimony was. My testimony was this. Hey, my dad told me to go to church on Wednesday night. My testimony was this. My dad got me up to go to church on Sunday morning. You see, for my whole life, when I was a shorty too, up until 52, my whole life, I thought religion and church was my ticket to heaven. My brother and I, we grew up, he touched on it, we grew up in a Catholic church. We were altar boys. We were confirmed. We were altar boys. We were responsible for, for taking the cross and carrying it down, and we placed it at the, at the pulpit. We were responsible for carrying a great big Bible, and we placed it on the show table for the priest, the father to preach from. And then we would stand, and we would help pass out communion. And we did this our adolescent life. We did this when we were junior high. We did this all the way up until I left in high school. We went to church. We knew religion. But I told you what the Bible was saying. But the sad thing about that boy was this. I didn't know the man I was carrying on my chest. I didn't know the author of the book that I placed on that table. I had no clue about the sacrifice of the communion I was passing out. You know why? Takes me back to my rookie year. I wasn't born again. I had religion. So there I was in the off season, just completed my rookie year, and that question kept on coming up. God, are you born again? And so when the church asked me to speak, I told them, I can give you 20 minutes. They had a big rally scheduled on a Friday night. They had these two churches that were going to come together. There was going to be about 300 kids, and they wanted me to come and share a testimony. I had no clue what a testimony was, but thank God the youth pastor defined it when he simply said, come and share how important Jesus Christ is in your life. I thought that was my testimony. So you know what? I can come and tell them the Bible study that I went to. I can tell them how when I got my first paycheck, I gave some of it to the church. I'm going to tell them all these good things about me. That's what religion will do to you. Religion will make you feel good about yourself. A relationship with Jesus makes you feel good about Christ and what he did for you. So Friday night was a, a night during the off-season as a professional athlete. Friday night when I was with my friends was, was a good time for, for me, especially my rookie year. I got a little money now. I don't have any responsibilities. So when I was with my dad staying there for about six weeks, I called some of my friends, and I told three of my friends, I said, hey, we can go out tonight, but do me a favor. I got to go get to church 20 minutes. I wonder how many of us have that thought on a Wednesday night or on a Sunday morning. Hey, I got to go get to church an hour of my time tonight. Hey, I, I got to go give the youth 45 minutes on a Sunday morning. So I called up my three friends. I said, hey, fellas, do me a favor. Wait outside in the parking lot. I'll go into the church. I'll talk for about 20 minutes. And then afterwards, we'll go do what we have planned for the evening. Whenever I share my testimony, 
This is the most important part for me. I started the Christ gig. My three friends made the best mistake in my life because my three friends did not roll out in the parking lot. They came into the church and they stood against the wall in the back of the church. And as, as I was going, just like this, I get my microphone, and every single person I am putting Jesus Christ as in my life, and how I went to a couple Bible studies my rookie year, and I even gave to a church. I looked at my three friends, and I saw these six eyes just looking right at me, and you may even say they were staring right through me. Because they didn't know about the guy who was talking about Jesus. You know who they knew? You know what they thought my identity was? They knew the pro football player who 24 hours earlier was passed out in his own trunk, his own truck. They put me in the back bed of his trunk, and they had to drive me home. I couldn't even drive my own truck home. That's the guy or that they knew. So as I was going like this, telling everyone how important my relationship with Jesus was, I stopped at my three friends. They looked right at me. And on January 10th, 1994, a long time ago, that moment, my heart just sank into my, I mean, it just sank. Like in my throat. I couldn't say another word. I was speechless as my friends were looking at me and I was looking at them. In fact, I took one step off the stage and the pastor was sitting in the front row. He stood up and he went towards me and I handed him the microphone and I walked out. I get out to my car and my three friends, they meet me at my car and they say, hey, big guy, let's go out and have a good time tonight. I said, fellas, I'm not going out tonight. They said, hey, man, the girls are waiting. We told them we were going to meet them. We need you. They didn't need me. They, they, they needed my money. I said, fellas, I'm not going out tonight. They got into their vehicle. I never went out with them ever again. I drove back to the house I was staying at. I walked into my bedroom. I had no clue what was going on at that time, but I just felt convicted of myself. I just felt like there was something not right. So on January 10th, 1994, man, I just went over and I got on my knees and I still get in this position when I pray. I got on my knees and just kind of leaned on the bed. And I remember it like it, was, like it was yesterday because it was raining that night. I grabbed a pillow and I slid it underneath my chest. And all I simply said was, I want to stop faking it. I want to stop faking it. And on January 10th, 1995, excuse me, 1994, I asked Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sins. I surrendered my life over to him. And I asked Jesus Christ to be my savior. If you were to ask me today, guy, Earl, are you born again? If Daryl Green was to ask me that question today, Guy Earl, are you born again? 
100%, I would say, yes, I am. Because to be born again simply means to be born from above. To acknowledge that God sent his son Jesus to die a death that I deserved. To live a life that I couldn't live. And to provide a gift that only he could. To be born again simply means to acknowledge that Jesus Christ died for your sins. This week we have talked about a lot of things. But what it means to have Jesus reign in your life, it simply means you have a testimony that acknowledges that you have been born from above. And your testimony is not about your goals or your dreams. Your testimony is not about the church that you attend. Your testimony is about one single person. King Jesus. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me, please? With every head bowed and eyes closed, we're going to close out tonight with an opportunity for you. And what that means is that you heard my brother and I talk about our religiosity. How we placed our faith and trust in by just going to church and doing some things uh, for the Lord, like being altar boys, being a part of the FCA Fellowship for Christian Athletes, being here and checking off the attendance box on a weekly basis. Those things do not make you a Christian. Those things give you an opportunity to hear about Christ, going to church, parachurch organizations, ministries, being here on a Wednesday, being here on a Sunday. But I'm going to challenge you here tonight with an opportunity for you to check yourself. And here's the question, with your head bowed and your eyes closed. If you took your last breath this evening, and you took your first step into eternity. And you stood at the pearly gates. And God himself looked you dead in your eyes and he asked you, why should I let you come into my kingdom? What would be your answer? Only you can answer that question. God knows the answer, but only you can answer that question. You can't fool God. You may be able to fool your friends. You may be able to wear your Christianity and wear it well. But you're standing before God and he's saying, why shall I let you into my house? Dine at my table. Running my streets. What's going to be your answer? The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3, it says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Oh, that's you, that's me. From the time we took our first breath, you and I, we were born sinners, separated from God. For all have sinned and fallen short. The Bible tells us there's a great penalty to be paid because of this sin. Romans chapter 6, 
It simply says, for the wages of sin is death. That's right. Sin is death. Eternal separation. No hope. My brother and I, we do prison ministry. And we have done prison ministry on death row. We have talked to hardened criminals where we can't even see their face and they're sticking their eye or they're sticking their fingers through like a little mailbox slot behind this huge door that we can't even see what they look like. And we know their death sentence is just awaiting them. And we will share the gospel and they will respond by sticking out a finger to let us know, I've heard the message. I believe what you're talking about. Why? Because they're coming face to face with their immorality or immortality. They're coming face to face. And so they're going to meet their maker. So this no hope, eternal separation for the wages of sin is death. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 59, it says your sins have separated you from me. Your sins have hidden my face where I can't even hear you. That's what sin does. God doesn't even see. God doesn't even hear you. It separates you when you are a sinner. But as we look at the scriptures, you can focus on God's wrath all you want. And you can see it there in his holy word. But it's just as much as they talked about the wrath against sin and the penalty, penalty to be paid, it also talks about God's love. And it says, even though the wages of sin is death, it says, but the gift of God is eternal life. Christ Jesus our Lord. That's right. Even though we deserve hell, the grave, sin, penalty, we deserve all the what sin brings us, we deserve all. God says he has a gift for you. And why does he have a gift for you? Because the Bible tells us his great love he has for us. John 3.16, for God so loved Gotten son that whoever believeth on him shall not perish but experience everlasting life. Romans chapter 5 says it best. I love it. It says it did. Yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But my favorite love passage is found in 1 John chapter 4. And this is love. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be the perfect sacrifice for you and for me. That's right. God shows us an unconditional love like none other. Never seen before, never seen since. An unconditional love that says, I'm going to reach down and I'm going to touch you in such a way it can never be reversed. It can never be changed. I'm going to touch you in such a way for all eternity. I'm going to touch you with my son's has a gift for you, and this gift is salvation, and it's found in a relationship with his son, 
the Bible tells us in John 14, 6, Jesus summed that I am the way, the truth, and life, and no one comes to my daddy but by me. And how do I receive this salvation? It's pretty simple, man. This is so awesome about Christianity. This is what's so awesome about our God. He doesn't have all these stipulations and rules. He's got one way. And he explains it in Romans chapter 10. He says, if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, Jesus Christ died on the cross and three days later rose again. If you call upon the name of Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us you will be saved. So with every head bowed and eyes closed, not going to take it for granted that everyone in here is a believer. Just because you come to church and you're part of a youth group, it doesn't mean you are a believer. I'm asking you to check yourself bow your eyes closed, then I'm going to give you that opportunity to respond to the gospel here in the next few minutes. Respond to the greatest call on your life, the call of salvation. For my brother, it was January 10th, 1994. For me, it was March 21st, 1991. A day that my brother and I will take with us into eternity. We're not going to take our championship take our professional football careers. We're not going to take anything with us but one day, the day that Jesus Christ became our Lord and our Savior. So this is your moment, man. Count to three if you want to be remembered in heaven. Simple prayer of salvation. When I count to three, no one's looking, heads down, eyes are closed. Just simply raise your hand. And what you'll be saying is that I'm asking Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. those who just raised their hand, I'm going to ask that you repeat this prayer after me, but I'm going to ask the whole congregation, if you can hear my voice, to join in on this prayer with us. Going shoulder to shoulder with our new brothers and sisters who just asked Jesus Christ on their heart right there. But we're going to say a prayer, and I want everyone in this church here to repeat this especially those who just raised your hand. Those with your head bowed and eyes closed, please repeat this prayer with me. It's going to say, Dear Jesus, I need you. I want you. I confess with my mouth. And I believe in my heart that you died on the cross for me. And three days later, God the Father raised you, Jesus, from the dead proving that you are God I repent from my past I ask forgiveness of my sin I surrender my life over to you Jesus be my Lord my Savior my God in Jesus name 
Amen. Hey, let's put our hands together for the Lord. Come on up.